0: They are making me put a warning label on this podcast talking about adult language and adult situations. First of all, these kids are already adults. They've had phones in their hands from the time they were four years old. They're watching porn, they're smoking, they're cussing, they're having sex, but I have to warn them about my podcast? (laughs) Whatever.
1: Electric Ass. When I first started doing comedy, I was married to a man. Now I'm married to a woman. So I got a whole different story I'm telling on stage now. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm a bull dagger now. That's what they say.
0: Welcome to Nightmare Road Stories, where we visit and talk to the most popular, hottest comics to work in the road today. I'm your host, Alicia Cooper, and I will be speaking with Rita Brent today and getting her nightmare story on the road. And I'm such a fan of Rita's. I've been a fan of Rita's for a long, long time. I was one of Rita's earliest fans. It was like Rita's mama. Rita's wife, than me. I was the third Rita Brent fan. And I'm just over the moon to have her on the show today. She is just so awesome and so multi-talented and young. I remember those days when I had good knees. Rita still has good knees. She is just so impressive. She is the future. And I'm gonna read a little bit of Rita's bio. She's a comedian, musician, and military veteran from Jackson, Mississippi. During her childhood, she developed musical skill sets and talent shows in Southern Baptist churches, performing as a drummer and singer alongside her mother. See, see, the talent just runs deep in her family. She joined the 41st Army National Guard Band at the age of 18, where she served for nine years and ended her time in service as a sergeant. Rita graduated from her beloved HBCU Jackson State University with a bachelor's degree in mass and speech communication and pledged Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. It was there that she launched a public radio career, landed at Mississippi Public Broadcasting in 2011, and served as a radio host and producer for six years. In March 2013, Rita made a sharp career turn and became a stand-up comedian. In her brief career, she has already been featured on Heart of the City, on Comedy Central, starred in True TV's, Laugh Mobs, Laugh Tracks, appeared on Circle TV, Stand Up Nashville, and listed by Thrillist as the best undiscovered comedian in Mississippi. Rita has released three singles, Kamala, a song of solidarity for our VP-elect Kamala Harris is the latest. She tours occasionally as a feature act with her mentor, Ricky Smiley, and has also appeared on Cedric the Entertainer's Rock Your Brim Comedy Tour. Rita is signed to the Buckwall Talent Agency in New York City. Now let me let you know, to be signed by any agency as a young Black woman is a big deal because there's a lot of obstacles to us getting some breaks around here, but that's how you know her talent is undeniable. You know, and I'm glad to have her on today because I'm going through it right now because everybody around me got their stimulus but me. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how I ain't been stimulated yet. You know, I don't know what's going on, but I need my monte, And I know that everything is divine by the Lord because we only get $600. Now, if we had gotten $2,000 and I didn't get it, I'd have been a mass shooter right now. You know, $600. I'm like, okay, you know what? I ain't get my six. If I ain't get my 2K, woo! woo Woo! So that's the reason why the Lord didn't approve 2K, because he knows I'd be a hot fool. I ain't get my stimulus yet. So to be talking to Rita is the stimulus that I need. As a matter of fact, we're going to show you a clip just to let you know. just a little bit of Rita's genius. Just, just take a look.
1: See, I all think holding people houses in church make them more godly, but that ain't, if God ain't in your heart, it don't matter if you're in church or not, you know? So let the people go, god damn it. We t- tired of sitting up in there. <laughs> then they be talking about the gay people, you know, the preachers, they be, they be talking about the gay people, and uh, I don't, I don't be liking that, you know, because really the gay folks do everything in the church. They play the organ, the piano, they deacons, they preachers. <laughs> And they are really good worship leaders. These churches would be boring as hell without gay worship leaders. They would. Like, you can't, you can't damn them to hell but use them for their talents in the same breath. You can't do that. I'm telling you, man, them gay worship leaders, they usher in all the spirits. All of them. Y'all don't hear them, they be like, oh, oh man in grace how sweet sweet potato pie sweet pound cake sweet sugar cookie sweet the sound yeah 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 yeah, say a rich like kind of talent go? Nobody? Oh, man. That's just a little bit of Rita Brent.
0: You can find her stuff all over <laughs> social media, all over YouTube. Rita is the future. First of all, I, nobody in comedy got a shape like that. I don't care what really? age they are. No, but no 18 year no 20 year no 30 year How the hell did you get a body like that? What the hell are you eating? Or what the hell are you not eating?
1: There, there it is. I ain't eating a lot. That's what it is. Bird food. I, I eat about two spoonfuls. I'm like, you know what? I'm full. And then that's it. So that's it. Is your mama thin? I got to get to the bottom of this. She was. Before she had me and my little sister. Yeah, now she, okay. she blessed back back there now. She said she prayed for a big booty when she was young. Now she got it and she don't want it. She got the big booty. Okay, because yeah. I'm looking at Jada
0: Pinkett Smith and Jada Mama. I can't remember the mother's Ooh. name right now. But the Mama, 98 pounds, Jada, 98 pounds. I said, this, this, <laughs> and this, I'm 95. This, that's a little family. Right, I'm 90 right. You're 95. I, I think you're a Pinkett. I think you're really a Pinkett. <laughs>
1: I wish I I wish I'd get some of that pinket money. You need to get, get that DNA test done because something yeah. going on. Ain't three of y'all that small. I would <laughs> love to be entangled with the Pinkett family. I sure so <laughs> damn would. <laughs> you want to entangle <laughs> in August, September,
0: October, and November? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about how you got your start in comedy because you are just so hilarious. Like, what made you say, "I'm gonna make this leap"?
1: You know, I I always felt like I was funny as a kid, but I was doing music. I was drumming, and I thought that would be my call to fame. I I wanted to play drums for Prince one day. But in 2013, one night in Jackson, Mississippi, I was at a comedy show. I had never been to one, really. And while I was sitting there listening to them, I started getting chills in my belly and on my arms. My hair started rising. And I swear to you, Alicia, God spoke to me. He had a deep, very white-like voice and was like, you can do this. And I was like, whoa, work? And a couple weeks later, I was on stage telling jokes, and that was in 2013. So I literally just felt compelled to do it from that voice I heard from God, and I just decided to do it. I just didn't know that you could make money doing comedy. That first night I did it, I think I got $25 for five minutes. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm definitely finna take this seriously. So that was my wow. motivation. Yeah. And see, that's one of the many
0: things I love about people from the South. God always speaking to y'all.
1: Ain't it? See, I'm from Maryland.
0: He ain't said a daggone thing to me. <laughs> and everything. Y'all people from the South, boy. Y'all love y'all Walmart and y'all church. Yep. And God yeah. be speaking to y'all. I said, he done skipped over
1: me. I guess Maryland ain't Southern enough. But you, so, you got to <laughs> be careful, though. You got to be careful because people be like, God told me to tell you to give me $100. And you be like, hold on. Uh <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, you, God talking. told me
0: to tell you hit this cash app. <laughs> so, and how you get $25 that early on? I had to do comedy for a good two years before anybody pulled a nickel out. Of me. But then again, I started in LA. And I oh, mean, I was oh. at the back of the line when I started in LA. You know, everybody, LA is like New York with the amount of comedians.
1: Right. So they have to pay me for a good long time, and they didn't. Yeah. But see, it's not but, like that in Mississippi. Yeah, It was oh, all okay. of us. So we had money to share because it was. Only yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They felt they felt right. Breaking you off. OK. Yeah. Right. L.A. wasn't right. like that. They, they
0: was they was tripping down in L.A. It took me a minute, but I never thought I was going to do comedy as a career. I had a lucrative day job. Yeah. You know, but once I got tired of that, I was like, let me see what's going on over here. But I knew that people were making money out of it because I fell in love with the art form as a possible uh, money-making situation when I saw Def Jam.
1: Oh. So okay. All
0: those brilliant people coming out of Def Jam. And you know, because we're novices until we get into this, I didn't realize that these people have been working out those jokes on the road for five years before we saw them. I just right. thought they was brilliant. Right, <laughs> They made it look easy. We ain't right. not realize a lot of people bombed and they never aired them. Yes. <laughs> Or they put the labs in. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. As you started getting paid and then, so how did you know how to write material?
1: Well, honestly, Alicia, I didn't even want to be called a comedian when I first started because I knew I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, that first night I did comedy, my mom had come straight from church. She had on her church suit. She was sitting on the front row. And I'm pretty sure she was the only one that laughed at night. You know, I might have had a few scarce chuckles that made me say, "Okay, if I really put some (coughs) time into this, I can get good at it. So at first, I didn't like calling myself a comedian. I was like, just call me the little girl that's trying to tell jokes right now. So I started studying. I started watching all kinds of comedy. I'm talking about day and night. I was on my day job at a Public Radio in Mississippi. And I, I spent all my days. When I got off the air, I would go on YouTube and be studying Red Fox, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, writing down what topics they're talking about, uh, how long was their setup, up how many seconds people were laughing, just trying to get a feel for rhythm and mm-hmm. pace I still do that to this day because I've only been doing comedy for seven years. And I've heard it's going to take, I don't know, at least 10 until I really find my footing. But what do you think? 10 years or what? Yeah, I think 10 is a good barometer because you're really finding your voice and you should know
0: really who you are by then. You get 10, you'll be off to the races because you're killing it at seven. But you're 10. Yeah, 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 yeah. It took me about that amount of time. Rita, I used to be so nervous on stage and I had to hear laugh like every 30 seconds so that's mm-hmm. how I used to write my material I need to hear laugh 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 because if people weren't laughing I felt like I was bombing what mm-hmm. I had to learn was and that, that, that's when I started studying Cosby what I had to learn was the silence only means they're listening that's right that's you right know, so I had to get comfortable with silence now I'm too damn comfortable with silence I don't <laughs> care if you have a damn laugh because I'm <laughs> having a good time whether you having a good time or not. But I had to learn that silence is your friend. They're mm-hmm. paying attention. So I stopped writing jokes where I kept, ah, 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 you know, I had to right. keep hearing the laugh because of my insecurities. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I'm going to tell this story and you're going to come along for the ride. That, you know, that's. But it took me about
1: 10 years to get to that place. Right, I'm just now starting to get to that point because especially in the South, they like that fast-paced knee-jerk and slap-your-knee mm-hmm. comedy, you know? And and I've been on the road with Ricky Smiley, and he has the ability to do that. But I just had to say, I'm not Ricky. Okay, I'm (laughs) going. I'm gonna give you a few details to lead up to uh, to my punchline. And it's different for different crowds. Like some folks, you gotta punch them in the throat. Otherwise, they'll they'll be looking at you like, "What are you talking about? Get on down here. We came to 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 laugh our ass off." Uh, So I have learned that it's different in different regions of the world. You can get away with certain things. I was in New York for a year. I had to come on back because their rent was too damn high. But uh, while I was in New York, there's some stuff I could get away with up there that I can't get away with in Mississippi, you know? Right. So right. I'm still yeah. figuring that out. But also, mm. my whole circumstances have changed. When I first started doing comedy, I was married to a man. Now I'm married to a woman. So I got a whole different story I'm telling on stage now, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm a dagger now. That's what they say. <laughs> I'm a bulldog now. <laughs> you're a soft stud. You're a soft
0: stud. Soft. <laughs> soft. <laughs> but you get there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your material is changing. You've you got a pendulum with your material. It's swinging.
1: It's you know, swinging. But,
0: but I just, I love it because it's like with um, with the whole art form, you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be writing. You're always going to be evolving. And it's, I mean, it just takes so much time. But the good thing is, for me, about the 10th year, I had so much material. What mm-hmm. I would do is, I would look out in the audience, and then I would decide my set list, because like yes. you said, every audience is different, and you can't do a one-size-fits-all. One time, I was at the Hollywood Improv. I looked out an audience, 100% Asians. Ooh. What you having the catalog for that? I just had to hit them with my first joke. I was like, I ain't seeing this many Asians since I was on the set of Rush Hour 2. <laughs> you know they. Ah! You know, so then you right. got them, you know. So if you hit them with the first joke, you yeah. can then start to exhale. So then this one rush hour was the hot thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was yeah. it was timely at the time. But they was the, you know, and different groups like Asians, because people don't really um Consider them you know a lot of times they just like to be they like to be mentioned and considered and in the story and mm, you know so yeah. they were just they had a great time and then I went back to my regular because I try to write universal themes mm-hmm. you know so um but yeah it was just it was just it's interesting because that's what I'll do I don't I don't decide what I'm going to talk about until I get there because I got to see who came through the door right
1: that's smart <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> You got to be able to, to be flexible with it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and and
0: and Ricky Smiley. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I saw I think you might have been there because I just saw something over the weekend where he had the where the money where the money reside guy.
1: Were you there? Yeah. Uh, no, that was at the Stardome. I, I okay. just got off the road with him in Miami for New Year's Eve weekend. Oh, OK. So, OK. Yeah. So you were at the Stardome. Yeah. And he I was hosted there. Ricky. the Where the money reside guy hosted? No, Ricky hosted. We were at the Miami Improv. And okay. I told Rick, I said, hey, I haven't been on stage since March 2019. And he's like, well, I'm just going to host, you know, because usually the headliner goes last. But that has helped me build my chops as well. Going behind Ricky, because he'll get up oh. and host and kill it and get the mm-hmm. crowd warm for me. And then he'll bring me out. And, you know, that's a challenge, you know, to come mm-hmm. up behind Ricky. So that's definitely helped me build my chops. Yeah, that's a king of
0: comedy. So yes. yeah, that's, a, that's a beautiful uh, space for you to be in where you're lining behind a
1: master like him. Yes, and he does yeah. not shy away from mentoring. I remember the first time I met Ricky, I had a little bottle of Jack Daniels. It, it wasn't this big. It was like a little, don't ask me why I got Jack Daniels in my office. It was <laughs> a little bottle of Jack Daniels. And Ricky was like, you don't need that. Let your jokes be organic. Let it all come natural. The first time I met him and ever since I met him in 2016, he has just been such a huge inspiration in helping me along my comedic journey. Yeah, it's great to hear
0: from somebody like that who's had the success and experienced it all. I saw it all. Yes. You know, he doesn't all these comics start stumbling to work and all. I done heard some crazy stories about comedians that went to work drunk. One guy was upstairs at the at a theater sleeping, and they looked at all around him when they announcing him. So yeah, Rick, I know Ricky the scene and heard it all. So he Mm -hmm. was right. That's why my mom didn't really want me to do comedy because she didn't like nighttime jobs. She felt like Mm -hmm. them type of jobs ain't nothing you know ain't nothing good coming out of working at night with no human resources
1: department. Right. My (laughs) granddad say ain't nothing ain't nothing open at that time, but (laughs) Hicks... Ain't nothing open but legs at 2 a.m. I'm like, my Lord, my Lord. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I
0: see here you remember Delta Sigma Theta. I was almost a Delta. What happened? (sighs) Right after my freshman year of college, I played Evelyn in the Wiz. And my college roommate had already pledged. Mm-hmm. So that if that was a sorority, that would have been the only one I pledged. I really, really, really liked everything about it. So I decided I'm going to go ahead and pledge. Mm-hmm. And part of the application process was you had to have a letter of recommendation from a okay. current member. Mm-hmm. So I had this lady I was going to go with. My mother says, No, go with this other lady. She's a distant cousin's friend. And she, not only is she a Delta, but her mother's a Delta. So your mm-hmm. application is going to look doubly good. Cause mm. she's a legacy, so I'm like, oh, you know, you okay, mama? Mm. So the lady sends me this letter of recommendation. I turned in my entire packet, <laughs> and she was not current in her dues, so my entire packet was null and void. Uh, uh, that's that's the, and that's I was the saying, catch. you know if
1: you ain't been paying your dues, you know you ain't paid your dues since '84. <laughs> that's the catch, Alicia. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. I pledged. I pledged 2008. <laughs> I just paid my dues last summer, so <laughs> I ain't been able to write nobody, well, I don't been nobody know. No, write nobody. No, they've been asking me, can you write my baby a letter? I was like, I need to write myself a letter to make sure I'm still in the sorority hell. I can't write you no letter. I don't know, but right about now, I'm thinking about giving my letters back because I ain't got my <laughs> stimulus <statements> check either. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I want a refund, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, kidding. the lady, I'm like, that lady should have told me
0: I can't write yours, I'm not current. Yeah, that was she she, that was act surprised when I tell her
1: she knew she knew she, I she said then you current. ain't get no canceled check back They said you <laughs> paid your dues. You knew, so that's the it's only not reason. too late though, Alicia. It's not too late if you want to play, you get honorary, true. become an honorary Delta because we need somebody yeah. to run. Vice President Son, we can't let the AKAs be better than us for too long. So we need to start rearing somebody (laughs) to run for office. I I, I need all honoraries at
0: this point. I want an honorary doctorate. Yes. (laughs) I want to be an honorary (laughs) delta. Yes. I'm at that age where everything gotta come to me honorary. That's facts. (laughs) Go back to school for what? (laughs) So let's talk about your um your uh dear Jesus prayer videos. Mm. First of all, I love those videos. I, 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 I hit the notification bell so I can know where the next oh, one's coming. Thank how, you. Did you, um, how did you come up with that, that brilliant idea? I mean, well, first that's the first question. And second, how do you make them so
1: hilarious? <laughs> okay, so the first time I did a what I call satirical prayer, it was in 2016. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, my hometown, and it was just hot. I mean, Mississippi heat is a different kind of heat. And I just remember getting out the car and I opened the car door and I just started praying. You know, I was like, Lord, the block is hot. Lord, even the devil say he hot. And I put it on Facebook and uh, it got so much good feedback. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do another one. And so then I did a grammar prayer. I prayed to grammar, king of kings, grammar, Jesus. And then I put all this stuff in there about bad grammar. And I said, you know what? This is a way for me to get my perspective across, but in a funny way. Now, of course, you have some. Hardcore Christians who are like, don't be mocking God and all that, and I just block them or whatever because so they can't take a joke. But I do now. I'm writing them and I'm getting hired to do these prayers. I have prayed to Rainbow Jesus for an LGBT coalition. <laughs> uh, all kind of people are asking for these prayers. Even atheists are like, I don't pray, but I'll pray to this. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, one will there be one? Only one. That's fine. So, yeah, it just became a way for me to get my perspective across on different things. So, you know, I pray to impeachment, Jesus, election results, Jesus, whatever is popping at the time. That's what I'm going to pray about. And I throw little punchlines in between and I have a little church music behind uh, uh, behind the prayer. So I'm just going to keep doing them. You know, at first I thought maybe people might be getting tired, but I get prayer requests every week about something. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And the Kamala, the Kamala video, I love
0: that one. Has anybody from her camp reached out to you?
1: Yes. Actually, we're talking about sororities. Kamala's Lion Sisters called me on four-way one night. And it was a Maryland number. And of course, I thought I I wasn't going to answer because I thought it was bill collectors. But it was 11 o'clock and they were like, hey, we're Kamala's Lion Sisters. And I was like, yeah, right. And they're like, no, we pledged on the same line as Kamala. We heard your song. We love it. Uh, Kamala has heard it, she loves it, and they hired me to uh, do some things with them to to get Kamala in office. So yes, as far as I know, she likes the song, she has not called me personally, that would be amazing if she did, I would love to perform it in front of her. But yeah, I just wanted to do a song of solidarity, I felt like there was too much hatred happening about Kamala. Uh, A lot of narratives that were going around were false or people just repeating stuff without doing research, and you know how it is being a woman of color. When you're in a leadership position, people start projecting. They don't trust you or they're insecure and they want to tear you down. And the stuff that she's doing that they can't even do, would never be able to do. But got the nerve to say that she's not worthy. That was bothering me. So as an entertainer, I said, I'm going to put it in my music and I'm going to put it in my comedy.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you knocked that out the park. You knocked it out the park. And I'm just so glad that somebody from an HBCU is in the White House. They love to act like if you ain't going to Harvard or Yale. You can't do nothing. Right. You know, and I'm like, come right. on, there's all these universities out here. We, we, we shouldn't be that ridiculous with it. especially when we know George W. was a C student at best. <laughs> and got in, because he's a legacy. And I'm like, come on, man. Half these people they ain't taking their own SATs. It's a whole damn racket out here. But I'm right. so happy that Howard University, my mom is a Howard University grad, so she had yes. my, my boat right there. Yeah. So let's talk about where you want to go next, because you've had so much success in seven years and just really beginning your career. Where do you want to go next? Like, where do you
1: see yourself? What's the long game for you? You know, it's funny you asked that. I had just written down my my goals for 2021. I do this every year. What do I want to do? I want to start a headline. I want to read one book per week. Uh, (laughs) I want to write a book. I want to do a one woman variety show this year. That's something I would like to do because I love doing stand up. Don't get me wrong, but because I can do music and uh, because I feel like I'm smart and I can talk about stuff. I want to do a variety show where it's a combination of all my talents, but I just don't know how to conceptualize that just yet. And many people know that I freaking love hats. Uh, so I, I want to start a hat line this year. And and get that going, and you know I'm gonna create unisex for women, men, or whatever. Just kind of try to expand a little bit because 2020 taught me that whatever it is that you want to do, you had better get to it because you don't know when it could be your last breath. So I'm just gonna take all the chances, take all the risks this year. And you know, Alicia, sometimes I, I have this list, and then the year will just take me in a completely different direction. I I never even thought that I would be rapping a song about Kamala Harris, you know. So I'm just open. <laughs> Uh, and I'm just going to let the, the spirit lead me to, to whatever it is that I'm supposed to do next. I have some goals, but I'm just going to be open and not limit myself. Well, I, I would I, wonder, I can't wait to
0: see the hat line because I know it's going to be fierce. To so See, it look good on you. You got a little head. So yeah. make sure you get something for the healthily headed like myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it.
1: That's the category. Healthily headed for healthily headed folks like <laughs> myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, you gotta be politically correct, man. They, you ain't fat. No, I'm healthily headed, motherfucker. Healthily headed. That's right. That's right. they call it? Big bones. I'm just big bones. That's, right. That's all. Big, big head. Big, big, big head bones. <laughs> and and another thing I'm doing is uh, I just started this thing called the Rita Brent Report. I love the news, much like yourself. That's one thing I really appreciate your voice about the news. I love your perspective. So I'm starting the Rita Brent Report where I cover the news satirically right here in this spot. I learned during the pandemic, that as long as you have a bookcase, people think you're smart and they're going to listen to what you say. So this is one of my props for the show. And it's on my YouTube. I've done like five episodes so far of the Rita Brent Report. And I'll tie in songs and prayers into it while I'm recapping the news. So hopefully that'll get picked up by a big network at some point.
0: Yeah, this is going to be good. I mean, this little pandemic has slowed us down a little bit for a while because productions grinded to a halt, you know, and then right. now everybody got to be COVID tested every other day, but stuff is creeping back in slowly but surely. I think this pandemic was actually a good thing for us because it allowed us to sit down. I slept for the first two months, but then once I got back up, I was deadly. I shot two films. I was I was ready after I got some much needed rest. You hibernated. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I was supposed to go headline the Tahoe Improv on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That Monday, I got an email saying we, <laughs> we could shut down for the, for the COVID. I was like, I was supposed to be there in two
1: days. Now, the person who went the week before got all their money. I was one right. week off. <laughs> See there? That's what happened to me, too. I remember the date. It was March 12th. That weekend, I was supposed to be performing with Cedric the Entertainer. I was so freaking excited. And the day before, they were like, nah, it's a wrap. It ain't happening. And who knew? Who knew what was about to come after that? So you're right. It did help us settle down a little bit. I didn't realize how tired I was. As a comedian, we're always on the road. Our bodies are so taxed with the traveling. I really needed to sit my ass down. So I I appreciate that risk. Yeah, and I would not have sat down unless you mandated it. Right.
0: (laughs) Mandated, yes. (laughs) We had some court ordered rest. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And I needed it. But we're going to segue now into your Nightmare Road story. You know, I I don't know if you heard about mine. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> but we certainly want to hear about yours, because I know you had a few, but just, you know, give, give us a little taste of what kind of crazy stuff can happen when you're doing this full time as a profession.
1: So I I have been blessed that I have not had a whole bunch of them. But the ones I have had have been memorable. Usually just overall, what is nightmarish is getting a room that is just absolutely disgusting. You know, so early on in my career, I didn't have good sense when it came to contracts and putting in there, hey, I need a three or four star hotel to stay in. So this particular year, I believe it was 2015, I had done a gig with this promoter in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and it went well. And he thought, okay, well, let's take the show on the road to Florida. You Knowing and damn well did nobody know and one of the comedians on that flyer when we went to Florida. So we get there, it's about a five hour drive from, from Jackson to Pensacola and uh, went to check in the hotel and it smelled like death in there. It was one of them Baymont hotels. I don't know, for me when it's a hotel where it's just outside, it ain't inside, it ain't no door, it's like just outside and, and a little porch, that's kind of how you know you might be on some you know, Motel 6 type stuff. So we walk in <laughs> and it smelled like the vaginas of whoever was in there last. I don't know if they didn't have Glade at the time or Febreze. Saw oh, chalk cut out or something on the ground. <laughs> I, I feel like I saw an outline. I was like, what the hell? And so we decided right then that we were not going to stay at the hotel. And we asked, all right, we got to get ready for the gig. We go to the venue and it was not a comedy venue at all because, you know, a lot of people think they can just turn any kind of place into a comedy venue it was more like a fellowship hall. If you've ever been to a black church, you got the sanctuary, and behind the sanctuary, you got the fellowship hall where they eat fish dinners and, 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 and greens and things. So this particular show was at a fellowship hall. It was supposed to start at eight, right? few hours passed by, and only two people showed up. They kept saying, the people gonna come, the people gonna come, the people gonna come. I mean, the moon had came up, Went down, came back up, and it wasn't but two people in there. The promoter said, well, I guess y'all can perform for each other. No, the hell, we not going to perform for each other? No, we not about to do this. And he was like, well, we ain't really make no money, but, you know, we got some food. We going to feed you. I was like, oh, no, bro, you about to get shot. Nah, nah, I ain't drove no five hours for a fish plate. Five hours for a fish plate and two people. So we end up not doing the gig at all. I didn't want to buy a hotel room because I didn't make any money. And so we freaking slept in the car. We just took a nap in the car and went to the beach the next day and got back on the road and went to Mississippi. So that was by far just the most unpleasant gig I ever had. But it also taught me to put stuff in the contract, like say what you want, get a deposit up front and be specific about what you want. Otherwise, you know, you might get gypped. So that was that was horrible. And I'm very specific about hotel rooms now cuz it was the same thing in a Louisiana hotel. It was a ring around the tub, you know, there was some 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 stains on the sheets. I was like, "Man, this is this is horrible." So that that was one, yeah, in Pensacola where I drove all the way from Mississippi for a gig that never happened. But I still got on Facebook and lied and said the show went well. <laughs> took a picture at the beach like, yeah, (laughs) because you can do that on Facebook. How they going to know? How they going to know? You sure can. You sure can do it. Are you on Clubhouse? I signed up, but I'm not on it yet. I haven't Uh haven't gotten active yet. That's because I'm kind of dealing with social media drain. I'll just be honest with you. We got Facebook. We got Instagram. We got Twitter. It's TikTok. You know, I'm not going to have any time for myself, and that's not excluding emails and all of that, so... I'm hearing different things about Clubhouse. Are you on it? I am, but I'm on it under the. I didn't know what it was. So I got on it under an assumed name.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'd have made up some name. And then they were like, oh, it's your voice. I said, oh, no, my voice is very recognizable. <laughs> yes, no matter is. what name I use, I'm going to get caught. <laughs> that Maryland accent. Absolutely. You cannot hide. <laughs> I cannot hide my voice. I was like, oh, that's how they doing it. Voices. Oh, I might as well use my real name. And then then I heard everybody on there fussing and they saying rude stuff. And then the the comics getting on trying to defend themselves. And I'm like, oh, this don't sound too good. I'm like, good gracious. I said, you know what I mean? I hate when somebody says a comic is not funny because Mm. one, it's subjective. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, two, you're not going to be a rich, successful comedian, if somebody don't find you funny, right? how'd that work? <laughs> How is that going to work? So I'm like, this, this one ain't funny. That one ain't funny. And my question is always, well, have you seen this person live because mm-hmm. it's a different show live, you right. know, you know, we killing it live and then we upload it. You can't even hear the laughs on the YouTube video. So it's <laughs> like, you have to be present to get the the full effect of a live show. I've seen all these people live that somebody wants to say is not funny, and I thought they were hilarious live.
1: You know, just- Well, I mean, you mentioned the word subjective, and that's what it boils down to. And the person that comes to mind for me is Tyler Perry. There's so much critique on my timeline. Oh, Tyler don't write this way and his wigs and all of that shit. I'm like, well, (laughs) apparently enough people thought he was funny to make him a billionaire. So what it boils down to is just catering to your base. He said it. He knows the kind of people he's writing for and he sticks with that and he has been consistent with that. So, no, Mm -hmm. there is not one flavor for everybody. Everybody ain't going to like Chappelle. Some people Mm -hmm. might like you. They might not like my style. But it's a big, gigantic world. Everybody does Mm -hmm. not have to like the same thing. But I don't like Mm -hmm. that either. I mean, I may talk about whatever in my group chat, but -hmm. you ain't going to never see me on Facebook, Instagram, on some public forum tearing down Mm -hmm. another person. You know, because people always ask me about Tiffany Haddish. And I'm like, what you want me to say? I read her book. Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. what she's been through. She ain't Mm -hmm. no overnight sensation. She's been doing this, you know, ain't ain't nothing wrong with Tiffany. She's living Mm -hmm. her purpose. Live yours. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen Tiffany live and
0: I saw her live one time. I was in Vegas and she was there, too. And I went down to the show and she killed it. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't know what people are looking for. (laughs) Right, <laughs> you know But just to blanketly say somebody's not funny. I just think that, that those are miserable people not living their best lives. That's and they want to put thing. that off onto somebody else.
1: If you <laughs> yeah. have this much time to just talk mm-hmm. shit about people on social media all day, what the hell are you doing? Where right. is your talent? What is your gift? What company yep. are you starting? Where is your mogul? Yeah. You're not a mogul. You know, I don't get yeah. it.
0: One of my closest friends had been a comic for almost 30 years, and he passed away. His name was Joe Recker Mm. out of Maryland. This man was so funny. He actually won the second season of BT's Coming to the Stage. Oh, wow. The first season, little JJ won it. The second season, Joe Recker won it. And Joe, I, I can still hear a lot of the stuff that he would say. And whenever somebody would say something, he'd be like, Alicia, don't pay attention to them people. They work down at the post office and the Social Security Administration. They don't know about that. Right. <laughs> he, 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 they don't know nothing about this industry. I will mm-hmm. be crying laughing. He'd to say the post office and the Social Security <laughs> Administration. I guess it's the only place everybody working
1: that's not a comic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he was right. You you got to be careful who you give power to, you know, right. or, or your energy to. That's why I don't respond to these stupid comments when people say stuff. I don't even respond to it because then that means you've won. If I take yeah. time out of my day to give you power, that means you've won. So, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on it.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, see, I, I gotta get where you are. If I see it, I gotta respond to it. I, I spend nineteen hours a day cussing folks out, and I am exhausted. Like if I see if I see something, I gotta say something. It's, if I'm if see something, say something with a person. <laughs> it's me, cause I and then don't let me type in the words. I've got time today. Mm. But you then need to you, you the go hell to their
1: page, you go to their page, and they have like <laughs> one follower. It'd be a bird as a profile picture. You like this ain't no real damn person. I'm arguing with a robot. You
0: know what I'm saying? With a, with a Russian bot back there. Yeah. With a Russian, the English translator. Yeah. Getting on my damn nerve. Yeah, I, I got that bad. I got that bad. But I, that's, my, that's one of my goals for 2021 is mm-hmm. to not argue with these crazy people on social media. I have too much that I need to be doing anyway. You know, right. I can't get right. those hours back.
1: It's hard, though. <laughs> Depending on what they say, like, I can feel the steam coming in my ears. You know, my yeah. mama will go look up their address. You know, she she's the creeper on all my comments. She talking about she messaging people to her, come to your house. I'm like, woman, you for left. What the hell are you going to do? <laughs> but it is tempting. It is tempting to respond. And sometimes I will clap back. I, I give them like two a year. I give people yeah. two two clap backs a year where I post you and I'm like, you want this heat. You're going to get it. You want this attention. You're going to get it. But yeah, I ain't, I ain't had time to be responding to all these crazy people talking about, I'm going to hell or whatever they're saying. You ain't know me. You don't know my heart. <laughs> exactly. And you ain't the one determining who's going
0: to hell. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, the, the arrogance of some of these people. I, lo- I love getting into with these so-called evangelicals. I call them evangelicals. Mm. I'm like, if y'all don't go sit your ass down somewhere. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, we get into it. Hypocrites, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple more questions to ask you to get your opinion on, you know, see what your your thought process is on a couple topics. Okay, let's Why go. Know what you think about the the COVID vaccine? Are, are you taking it? Yeah, you, you know how
1: you how you feel about the vaccine? Because people getting in line right now. Okay, so I'm not gonna take it first. Let me say that. <laughs> I'm going to let them 20 million take it first to see, you know, somebody grow an extra toe or something. And if no, don't nobody grow no extra toes, then I'll take it. But honestly, Alicia, I just feel like black people have an issue with trusting things in, in general. It's not so much about the vaccine. We just don't trust nothing. I mean, you have been to a barbecue before. and It's potato salad. You're like, well, who made a potato salad? What their house look like? Was a dog or cat on the counter? What their microwave look like? We just got questions. You know what I'm saying? If they had taking a vaccine and, you know, making in front of me like a hibachi or some shit, maybe I'll take it if I see, (laughs) if I see what's going in it, you know, I just don't think black people trust anything. And then there's the storyline about the Tuskegee uh, situation where they had thought knew that those black men had syphilis and made them believe they were being treated for 40 freaking years and they weren't, you know, so we have a reason to not trust But I'm just going to let other people try it first because all my friends who are doctors, they're taking it. They're sharing their experiences. And so I believe at some point we may have to take it. I mean, I got vaccinated before I went to Africa, you know, so it's not that I don't believe in them. When I was in the military, I had to get vaccinated. So now that I have a choice, I'm just going to wait. That's what people say when black people get hurt. I'm just going to wait till all the facts come out and then we'll see. I love it. I love it. So
0: uh, what do you think about now that Donald Trump is out of office what do you think he's gonna do next? I know he's gonna be a Twitter troll and I think Twitter debate his account. But what do you think the future looks like for Joe Biden under Trump troll?
1: You know, <laughs> I am even more worried about how uncouth he's gonna be now that he's not president because he didn't have any kind of integrity or any kind of decency while he was president. So I just can't imagine. The type of vitriol that he's about to spew at Joe Biden now. But the big thing that I'm thinking is that people should just ignore him. News news sources, they do not have to pay attention to him. They don't have to cover him anymore. I would appreciate if they just never cover him on the news again. But if I were him, I would be running. I mean, he has a lot of shit piling up that could put him in jail. So I don't know, maybe he'll buy a private island, uh, take over for Epstein's island. I don't know what the hell he's going to do. But I, I'm a little worried, and I hope Twitter does something to kind of maintain some order. I know that they're going to start a new Twitter account for Joe Biden. Yeah, and what pisses me off about Twitter, they suspend me for the littlest stuff. Really? I mean, yeah, he,
0: he's, yeah, I get suspended like once a month. You know, I mean, it, it might be, I'm saying stuff like kill yourself, but that shouldn't get me oh. suspended. Okay, you know what I'm saying. I, it's just a suggestion. Freedom, it's of not speech. a mandate. Yeah, it's yeah. freedom of speech. So I'm getting, I'm getting suspended, and Trump saying all kinds of stuff. He's lying on a global scale, and he's yep. not getting penalized. Off. They just put a little, a little thing by his, a little disclaimer about so his thing. might not be they true. <laughs> they put a disclaimer by mine. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, hell to the no. So, yeah, I, what I would like is for when it ain't going to happen, but I would have loved. See, that, that's that's why they would never make me president, because I'm going to do some gangster shit. What I would have done was I would have made the attorney general Hillary Clinton and mm. let her fuck all them up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that black lady in New York, that lawyer, she said, look, we don't care what's what's going down, whether he's president or not, he, he, he getting these charges. You <laughs> get these charges. Would you that's ever run for of office? Ah, oh, shit. Uh, you know, in my hometown, maybe. This is actually a question that comes up often because I talk a lot about politics on my page. And, you know, when people see you got any kind of good damn sense, they'd be like, run, run for office. But it seems like when you run, that's when people turn on you. I would rather... Have my influence as a comedian where I don't have to meet some kind of politician standard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. always come back on, well, I'm just a comedian who happens to know a little bit about politics. But, you know, even in my city of Jackson, like they were all gung ho for the mayor. And then when he got in there, they got on his ass about the potholes, you know, and it was like, well, he needs time to get him filled. He has to secure the funds. You know, so I don't want to get turned on. So my answer is no, I do not want to run for office because people will turn on your ass quick. They'll turn on you.
0: Yeah, they very fair weather. It's like, well, except yeah. for Mayor Marion Barry in D.C. We wrote it out with Mayor Marion Barry. Yeah, you did. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> He was good to us and we were good to him. But even but with Obama, Obama, Obama is so torn. We were all, yes, we can and supporting. And now it's like, dang, they're like, Obama didn't do this for the black community, and it's just a lot of mm-hmm. hatred, especially mm-hmm. with everybody having a voice on social media, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and people yeah. can spread lies and narratives that are not true, so I don't think I want that pressure, because yeah, then I yeah. will have to cuss somebody out like you do on social media. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I'm yeah. good at that.
0: But see, Obama, yeah. I think he had it hard, because of him being half black and half white, the black would be cussing out the half white side, <laughs> you know? <so>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, Possibly. That's, where, that's where he gets it. But <laughs> last question, this is going to be a two-parter. Okay. So, and this is about comedy. Have you ever had a joke stolen
1: or been present watching somebody else do a joke you know was not theirs? Yes. And I remember I was in Jackson, Mississippi, and I had written this joke about the Jackson Zoo. And the zoo is a little distressed, you know. And I was talking about <laughs> if you go to the zoo, you know. We got regular animals like Rottweilers and and shit, pigs at the zoo, you know. And (laughs) I was at this gig and I had just started doing comedy. I had just come up with a joke and this guy had been on the show with me several times and then he started doing the joke. And I was like, I'm right here. Like, you couldn't wait till I left or wait to another show. And so I approached him about it and he swore that he wasn't stealing the joke. You know, what it was, I think maybe he had heard me say it and digested it and then repeated it and just forgot. And so I just told them, you know, you can have the joke. And I just kind of switched it up. So that has happened. I've also had somebody accuse me of stealing a joke. But the good thing about me is I have sent every joke that I have ever written to myself to myself in an email. So this joke that I was being accused of stealing, I actually have the timestamp in my AOL email when I wrote it. And I have not had a conversation with this comedian about it. But I know that she is telling people that I stole this joke and I did not steal it. And I have proof mm-hmm. <laughs> every every set. I do. I email it to myself or it's in my voice recorder. So I have to protect myself in that way. Yeah, that's the best vindication. I had some new comic uh, that was doing a show
0: at Flappers in the Yuhu room. Mm-hmm. to say <clears throat> that I had taken a joke of his. I was like, what? And I said, well, what joke is this? So he tells me the joke <clears throat> for me. A lot of my jokes are somewhere on the tape. Mm-hmm. So I went back through and found the joke. And this was like maybe in like a, a June. I went back and found this joke back in December. It was a Christmas tree behind me. Mm-hmm. So I went and sent him the link. I said, this is from last December, me mm-hmm. doing this joke, you know. So like you said, it's good that you can have some form of some backup, because you're going you're gonna to hear some crazy stuff. And I had one guy, he had moved to L.A. from Chicago. He was like, I'm trying to get some sets. Set. And i I get him on stuff. I'd be like, okay, well, I got this little, this, you know, this little open mic. I'm, like, I'm going to try some stuff out, but they'll put mm-hmm. you on or meet over here. This is a place. So, so I was telling him where to go and, and getting him on shows, little shows and stuff. This dude done stole my stuff. Oh, my so God. I had this killer joke about the Asian man who got his ass whooped on American Airlines flight. <laughs> the, the one who got dragged? Got dragged. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and I had a, a, a unique perspective on that situation. And mm-hmm. I look, and he at the Laugh Factory, you're not Chocolate Sundaes, it's the Laugh Factory, put up clips. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there that night. I'm looking online at him doing my joke on the stage of the lab factory. I ain't say nothing to him. I just said, hashtag never again. Uh. <laughs> he taking him with me. I ain't going to be in no room with him. If he come in the back of the room, I'm just going to do crowd work. You know? Right. So <laughs> Don't do none of yeah. your good jokes. <laughs> none of my good jokes. I, I ain't approaching people over the no material because I you know, I just write some other stuff. But, you
1: know, it's just frustrating when you didn't help somebody and they got you. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, that was like, like 2014 for me, and I ain't have but seven jokes. And I'm like, hey, boy, you can't be telling my jokes. I ain't got but seven. But like, like Roy Wood Jr. talks about finding the third angle, because sometimes what it boils down to is we're all seeing the same thing, we're all reading the same news, and then we'll take that low-hanging fruit sometimes for the joke. And now you can't even do that because it's a meme already. So it's already out there. I'm yeah. trying to do what Roy Wood Jr. says, which is find that third angle or yeah. just be very yeah. personal to where can't nobody steal it anyway. Right. Exactly.
0: And that, that's, that's what makes Roy such a genius, because he does get that third angle of a joke. you yes. know, it, it's, it's a trip because the worst thing is doing your own joke and having somebody else say this somebody else's joke. Right. Like I thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rita. Thank for being a you, guest Alicia. on Nightmare Rose Stories, you have just made my week. I've always wanted to talk to you, and this, this, I, coming up with this show gave me a perfect opportunity.
1: Well, congratulations for adjusting and adapting during this challenging time. I think this has made us expand creatively, so I appreciate you having me, and know that I am a gigantic fan of yours, and I can't oh. wait to see you live or open up for you. Whatever you need me to do, I got you. Oh, thanks. I'll be opening for you. Oh, but, no, look, we'll look. <laughs> but let me know. I
0: want to know if you got anything you want to plug. Uh,
1: yes. Subscribe to my YouTube, Rita Brent Comedy, and check out the Rita Brent Report. Uh, I'm always going to be doing a satirical take on the news. It'll include some of my prayers and some of my music. And that's the big thing I have coming up right now. I'm also going to do a live version of Kamala, that, that song. So check out my music on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify as well. And follow me at Rita Brent Comedy. And I have a special on Epics TV, if you want to check that out. It released in November, a 30-minute TV special where I was really, really honest. This was the first time I talked about my sexuality on a national platform. So that was a big deal for me. Wow. Okay. So what's the name of the special? The name of the show is Unprotected Sets. The name of the show is Unprotected Sets. And so they feature multiple comedians. And uh, my episode is one that aired in November. So it's, uh, it's about, about 30 minutes on Epics TV.
0: And you mentioned you have been married to a man, so did you have to come out to your mama?
1: Yeah, but I came out to my mom when I was in the 10th grade. I was fooling everybody else. My mama been known. She been known. (laughs) So did your mama say, why are you marrying this man, baby? No, she. my mother is a minister, so she wanted me to marry a man. (laughs) She said, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, she was happy as hell. I could not keep up certain things. Uh, Rest in peace to my jaws during that time. Yeah, Yo, are like, no not- more blow jobs. No, but this is some this is a job. This it, it was. This blow t- is a job. I stopped hanging out with my friends. I was like, I gotta get some rest so I can do this head later. I ain't gonna be able to hang out with y'all. I got to meditate. I got to pray so I can be successful tonight. So yeah, I'm a newlywed. That's right. Finally, I'm out and I'm free. No more hiding. Oh, congratulations. Thank
0: congratulations. You. On our next episode, join me and special guest George Wallace. Nightmare Road Stories is a production of Electric Cast Media. Our executive producers are Mark Netter and Peter Rafelson. Our producer is April Simmons. Our editor is Jamal Holmes. Theme music by Amir Oshalai. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please give us a rating and tell your friends. If you don't like the show, please give us a rating and tell your friends. Until next time, I'm your host, Alicia Cooper, and keep your ears on the road.